0: Welcome to the world of Culture Pop with Steve Mason and Sue Kalinski. Culture, comedy, movies, TV, tech, authors, trends, pop, pop. This is the Culture Pop Podcast. Hey,
1: everybody. Welcome to the Culture Pop Podcast. I'm Steve Mason along with Sue Kalinski. Sue, I got a chance to see you in person yesterday. You look far better than I do.
2: <laughs> you looked... You looked a little bit like an outpatient. I have to be honest with you, <laughs> like
1: a flood victim.
2: Well, you know, because I've never seen your hair so long. Yeah, and that it was under your hat, and <laughs> you just
1: I was wearing a dirty
2: hoodie. <laughs> yeah, it looked like uh, it looked like Juan like picked you up off of a, like a, a, a park bench somewhere or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I was. Uh, it was nice to get out of the house, though. Nice to yeah. get out of the house. Uh, so I'm really excited about today's show. By the way, we're uh, this is Saturday, July the 11th, as we're recording this. It is 9:40 a.m. And Sue, I don't know if you know this or not. I used to do morning drive, but I don't do my best work at the morning time anymore. I'm not a morning person.
2: Yeah, well, you know, we did morning radio in New York, and it was a nightmare.
1: It was. It was a nightmare in New York. We got up, I think we were, were we on at five or six every day?
2: In the beginning, we were on at five, and then yep. it changed to six. But, you know, we were, I was getting up at like 3.30.
1: Yeah. Boy, five is early, man. 4.30 in New York City. This is crazy, weird, quiet. Um, all right. So uh, thanks very much for listening. We appreciate you guys a lot. Uh, the biggest thing you can do for us is to subscribe to the Culture Pop Podcast Easiest way to do that is to go to stevemason.com and hit subscribe for either iTunes or Spotify. And we want to thank uh, our sponsor for the show, who is Jacob Imrani. Uh At this point, I'm sure, Sue, so have you seen Jacob's upside-down billboards all over town? He, he puts them up upside down. No, I haven't. Oh, yeah. He, he does it all over town. And the entire point of that campaign is because when you're injured in an accident, your life is gets turned upside down. You see where he's going with that? Very clever, Jacob. Yes. Insurance companies are out to shrink what they should be paying you. You're hurt or you're out of work. But just like the one call to the billboard company can turn those boards right side up, one call to Jacob can do the same for you. You deserve peace of mind. That's why, my friend, Jacob is available to take your call twenty four seven. Jacob will deal directly with the insurance company. Help you get to great doctors and help make sure you get a car and you're able to get back on the road fast. Call Jacob anytime, day or night, any type of injury. Even if you've already got a case, call Jacob for a free second opinion to ensure your case is on the right track. 24 hours a day, call 84424 Jacob. That's 84424 Jacob, 84424 Jacob, or remember the catchy jingle. And I will sing this, Sue. Are you ready? I'm ready accident or injury called Jacob and Ronnie called Jacob and find voice today. <coughs> hey, I am in fine. Vo- That's the thing I don't get credit for Sue.
2: Well, you know, you beautiful know, beautiful
1: singing voice. Well, you're doing some great cover work here. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, I expected harmony from you, but next time, next time. Okay, right. So I'm really excited about today's guest uh, because it takes me back to our days in New York where she was, uh, a regular on what did we call that? The anti show with uh, Mason and Sue.
2: No, it was Mason and Kolinsky. Oh, was it Mason and Kolinsky? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, the anti show with Mason and Kolinsky on WNEW in New York, uh, and we always had comics rolling in and out. And my favorite, my favorite, always was our guest today. She is one of the best stand-up comics in the business, and her new book is Yes, I Can Say That. It is set to come out at the end of July. Judy Gold is here. Can you hear us, Judy?
0: Yes, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) She's here. She has arrived. She's here, she's queer,
2: And we're so used to it.
0: And you know, let's use Skype and then we can fax each other later too.
2: I was waiting I was waiting for this. You know what? Yeah.
1: Judy, working with Sue on Skype is like working with my mom on Facebook.
2: Oh, come oh I on. bet. <laughs> All right. What is it? Two gay people against the straight one here? Is that what we're gonna be doing this whole time? Yeah. Yes, it oh, is. Oh,
0: you're half gay. Shut up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm gay adjacent. Yeah. So, Judy, how are you doing?
0: I'm good. How are you? I really, you know, this whole thing, you know, the country's going great. Um, <laughs> I'm always in a good mood. Uh, I'm not worried about anything. Things are fucking fantastic.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I'm curious because it was uh, one of the highlights of my life was doing that show in uh, New York City. Do you even remember doing that show with me and Sue in New York?
0: Yes, I do. I do. How was
1: it? Was it a good show?
0: Yeah, it was a good show, um, and you know, I came on here to talk about your experience in New York. <laughs> <laughs> was was it one of the highlights for you, Judy? Of my life, not even of my career, of my life.
1: <laughs> so, well, we both read your book, which is great. That's it. I
0: put my heart and soul into that.
1: Yeah, no, it's the book is fantastic. Right. I, you know, I wanted to ask. Uh, let's let's talk about it okay um
0: i can't believe i so, can't see you i cannot see you
1: yeah we're not doing it that way we're doing it just audio only i
0: fucking hate that you can see me and i can't see you all right go ahead no, we, don't see, we can't see you we can't see all you. all right good shit i got all dressed up for you fuck all right
1: yeah so so you are uh on the tall side and you write about this Uh, And, and you took a fair amount of, uh, of torment in your life. People, people, you know, made fun of you for the, for being tall. Do you think if you had been five, eight, you would be funny?
0: Five, eight is also tall. My sister was five, eight. I think I, yes, I think I would have been funny. I think the, uh, you know, it is defining when you're that tall and you look that much different than people at such a young age, and that's all they see, um, it defines you. And, like, I I was discussing this yesterday. You know, when you're tall, when you're big, people think you're less sensitive, you're older. um, And if you're not an athlete, you know, you're useless pretty much. So it it really was a defining – yeah. I walk in a room. That's all you see. It's like, you know, you know, when you walk somewhere, you're, everyone's going to stare at you or everyone's going to, you know, it's just like, it's so ridiculous, but the the relentless bullying, which I have, you know, I, as I say in the book, you know, my mother told me to ignore them, which I did. And then my therapist later on, you know, 35 years later was like, no, that was the wrong advice i'm like oh great <laughs> but in my head in my head i was always I like you're such a fucking like you're picking on me you're like a fucking pipsqueak dumb ugly piece of shit you know but i didn't say that but now i get to say that on stage and get paid for it beautiful yeah beautiful
1: so do you think all comics were picked on no do you um I know that, you know, so, so I'm on the radio five days. I know I was picked on right. when, I was, when I was a kid. I know that my sense of humor came from, from that.
2: Right. Uh, Sue, were you picked on as a kid? Yeah, I mean, I'm the youngest of five kids, so I was picked on every day of my life. Like in school and stuff like that, I wasn't picked on for that because um, I was one of the cool kids. You know, I was popular, and, and, and my brothers and sisters were very popular, so everybody knew the Kalinskis. You know what I mean? So I wasn't picked on for that.
0: It's interesting. Like in my podcast, when I interview comics, uh, there are very few to none who had it a great childhood and great time. And everything was great. The two that who have, were like, no, everything was fine. Everything are you, Sue Kalinsky and Carol Liefer. Everything was great. <laughs> so, you know, it's so weird. Like you guys are both really funny. And it's, I guess it's sort of, uh, isn't that quirky? I don't know. Mine is so from like angst and my humor and like just hating. (laughs) I don't know. It's just, it's so funny where people get the funny from. Well, I think my, the
2: reason why I became a comedian was, uh, was attention seeking because I was the youngest and, Right. You know, like my parents paid a lot more attention to everybody else in the family. And then by the time I came along, like my mother never woke up in the morning and put my clothes out. And I'm talking about kindergarten, like first, second grade. She didn't make breakfast right. for me. She slept to like noon, you know, right. I mean, when I was in kindergarten, you know, you had the morning and the afternooners and then it would switch halfway through the, se- the semester and she con- she completely forgot. So I com- I took advantage of it. To me, it was advantageous that they weren't paying attention. Right. Like I was the one who right. Like could stay out really late and not get in trouble because they were so checked right. out by the time I came along.
0: Wait, how how far are you from the nearest sibling?
2: Three years. My sister. It. We're all we're all pretty much three years apart, except for two brothers are two years apart.
0: Wow. The fu- who has fucking five kids? Seriously. Yeah,
2: anymore. That's for sure.
0: Who has five kids unless they're Hasidic?
2: Yeah. I used to hear that all the time. You're a Jew and you have yeah. five kids. Yeah. I think, well, my sister and I were both accidents. That's why. But my mother had three, she had three boys first. So she kept going because she wanted girls. Right. <laughs> so there you go. She
0: got
2: two. <laughs> so, um, uh,
1: I'm not, I'm not a great uh, liberal. I, I'm, I'm a liberal, but I'm not a great liberal because I don't understand what a microaggression is. In, and you write about it in the book. Uh, describe in your words what a microaggression is for people that are listening and don't know the term.
0: Uh, microaggression would be when you say something that, you know, it's, it's like the ultimate passive aggressive comment. Uh, And and you don't have to be a good liberal to understand it. It's also like, uh, as I describe it, it's like, everything is about me. So whatever you say is about, you know, because everyone's so fucking, you know, coddled right now. But a microaggression would be like, uh, if someone said to me, oh, oh, so you're tall and you're Jew. I I don't know a lot of tall Jews. Like, you know, like something... (laughs) um, Oh, you're going to buy this ring and you're Jewish, you know, like something like that, like, uh, <laughs> that sort of cunty. I'm allowed to say cunty on this, right? I,
1: I mean, at this point, sure.
0: <laughs> uh, all right. You know, it's that sort of, uh, oh, you know, it's so nice to have you here. We don't have people like you, you know, like that sort of those dumb idiot people who, you know, say shit like, Oh, you wear makeup and you're a lesbian. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> that sort of right. So then what, what is a trigger then? Well, trigger I think is more, um, is like, there's a trigger. Trigger is you get on stage and do a bit about how you were just in a minor traffic accident and someone in the audience just uh, lost their spouse in a traffic accident a month ago. And they are inconsolable because you just said the word, mm. you discussed a traffic accident. Uh, and they just, and they, it triggered them and they can't function. Right. And then you
2: get blamed for that. Like you ruined their night. Right,
0: right. Because the world revolves around them, right? Right. So like, and this is what standup has become. Oh, you're going to talk about that? Well, I had an experience when I was 17, About and it's like, go fuck yourself, you know? <laughs> yeah,
2: I got to tell you, I, I did a gig once in Long Island, and the guy who produced um, all the Linda Lovelace movies, he was going to prison because he took the film. It was porno that he took, like, across state line, and he was going right. to jail. So I had a Linda Lovelace joke in my act, right? So after the show, the owner comes over to me and starts railing on me that the guy who was going to prison. He came to the club that night. It was his last night of freedom. He came with his family to forget about everything. And then I do this joke. And I said, well, you know, you know, someone maybe could have said something to me that he was in the audience and I could have made a decision on whether to do the joke. But you know, I don't, I don't, we, we don't vet everybody that walks in the door. I don't know who's in the audience. Right. So now you're blaming me for this guy
0: being pissed off. It's, it's like, it's so ridiculous. Like it's beyond, it's, it's censorship. You know what I mean? And it's not right. We're up there trying to make people laugh. It's ridiculous. Like I, I've had so many experiences like that because I talked to the audience of like, you know, oh, well, where's your boyfriend? He died last week. <laughs> and I'm here to make you know, and I'm like, oh my God. So sorry. Everything's about you. Um, But yeah, it's like, it's, it's like this idea that we're supposed to know every fucking detail of your life and adjust our set to, I once did a gig and um, the MC did some John Gotti joke. And one of John Gotti's fixers was in the audience, right? He was the MC (laughs) and I am headlining and I get on stage and all of a sudden I see the MC like, You know, huddled on the floor in front of, you know, the John Gotti fixer and they're talking. I'm like, can you guys shut the fuck up? Meanwhile, I didn't know that he was being threatened and then had to go on and apologize (laughs) after I got off stage and then I said to him, because we drove together, I said, you go and start the car and I will be across the street.
2: <laughs> well, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of like a situation where there would be a sandwich board, like a restaurant in front of the comedy club, and they would give you kind of what is on the comedy menu tonight. And then you decide whether you want to come in or not.
0: Right.
1: Judy, when did it get this way? When did it change?
0: You know, I think this whole everyone gets a trophy um, mentality. It's it's not it's not our generation, and it you know my kids right. aren't like this. But I think it is. You know, this, is it aughts? The people who, you know, the, what are we in? Generation, what the fuck? There's not, a, you know. Um, <laughs> That's it. We're generation, what the fuck? Well, this this
1: generation is generation uh, Z, I think they're yeah. calling it.
0: Yeah, it, 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 it's that kids. generation of, like, you know, telling us what words we can or cannot use. What's a fa- It's like, you know, this, this is the thing. It, it's this mentality of, you know, I remember in 2016 and all these young girls, who were like, you know, voting for Bernie or like, you know what, I I can't, I'm not going to vote for Hillary because, you know, there's going to be a woman president in my lifetime. Why does it have to be her? And it's like, you've lived for fucking 19 years. You don't know what it's like to be a woman in this society. And you're a fucking idiot. Like, like this, it's, and so now we have this motherfucker because young people didn't think it was that important to, to vote. So here we are because in your lifetime with all the work that we have all done for you, you're going to get, you're going to have, a so it, it's this, it, this mentality of the coddling of the, you know, Oh, poor baby. Oh, I'm going to make you feel this idea that no one can feel uncomfortable. Like, what the? Where did that come from? A safe space. What are you fucking talking about? I have to go to a safe space. (laughs) Like, learn how to deal with your fucking feelings. Life is not (laughs) fair. the motherfucker. So, I I
1: want to I want to just go back to this cuz I have this uh this everybody gets a ribbon conversation a lot. Yeah. Uh cuz cuz I work in sports. So, and I always think, well what's what's the harm in everybody getting a ribbon? Like it it means that somebody's not going to get ostracized. It may mean because everybody gets a ribbon, somebody's not going to be bullied. What's wrong with everybody getting a ribbon? That's
0: not how life works. You don't, you know, then you go to work and someone else gets, you know, accolades and you're like, Oh, but I was really good at that. How come no one said, no, that's not how life is. You got to prepare your, 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 your kids for what the fucking world is about. And it's not fair. It is a not fair place. And
1: teach your children that when they're
0: young. But also if you, everyone gets a a ribbon or whatever, then no one's going to try. Like they're not going to try. They're not, they're going to be like, oh, well, I got a ribbon for that. So that's good enough. Like, it's such a lazy way of thinking. Right. It's, it's also not the way the world is. It's just not. You got to have a tough skin. You got to learn lessons. You got to realize that everyone is a fucking asshole who's full of shit. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the
2: people who win, you know, Olympic medals, they have worked their asses off to get there. So. Right. Right.
1: But they're grown ups. They're grown ups.
2: No are not. Kids, no, teenagers and gymnastics. I mean, you know, that you know, thirteen, fourteen years old, skiers, I mean, skateboarders, you know, there's a lot of young people that are that are eligible to win an Olympic medal. And, you know, right. you, you have to work hard to get stuff. That's just the way it is. And it's that's never gonna change. So,
1: Judy, when I'm growing up, I'm watching all the great TV of the 70s, right? I'm watching the Jeffersons, and I'm watching Maude, and I'm I'm yeah. watching uh, All in the Family. And all I think about now is you couldn't even do those shows today, oh. right?
0: You know, in the book, I write about, you know, Maud. There's an episode of Maud where... She and Walter, she ends up pregnant. She's already a grandmother, but she, you know, she ends up pregnant and decides to have an abortion. That show would never, I mean, there's, there's no, you know, it's not like it's a, oh, let's take her to the hospital. But it's their decision to, to terminate the pregnancy. And, and that's, it's a two part episode that would never go on the air all in the family. Remember they just did that live all in the family. Mm-hmm. They
1: oh yeah, they yeah,
0: edited stuff out. It's like, who are you protecting by doing this? Like, you know, freedom of speech goes b- always everyone's speech, because if you silence people, then you're not getting all the information. You know what I mean? It's like, it's yeah, not going yeah. away. These, these, these people are not going away. Their feelings are not going away. Their prejudices are not going away. It's, you know, what are you going to hide in a cave and pretend everything's fucking great?
2: Yeah. And you know, there isn't really a universal offensive, you know, what's offensive for one person is not necessarily offensive for another person. And even right. if, and even if, it's someone says something about somebody who's gay. Some gay people may not have a problem with it. Some gay people may have a problem with it. But that's the way of the world. And and, right. this is, and, and I wanted to bring this up because I was talking to Steve about this. When we were on the radio in New York, growing up in New York, as a kid, I used the word fag and everyone used the word fag oh, to say something dang. that wasn't yeah. cool. Right, and I was using yeah. that word when I was like seven years old. When I didn't even know what a gay person was, it had nothing right. to do with sexuality. It was just a term
0: that we used. Right, I talk about that too in my in in my book. Yes, I can say that. One. But you know, like I was a band fag. I still call my gay guy friends fags. That is our word. I I call myself a di- you know like. Don't tell me what um, the meaning of this word is. When I have been on this earth for like 40 more years than you, you know, like I, you know, things have different meanings. And for for me, than they do for you. And you're not, you're not the arbiter of, you know, this is what you can and cannot. Like it's, I understand that it now, but you know, has a different connotation, right? Like, like I write, thank God, you know, um, what's his name? Um, fuck. Oh my God, Judy, menopause. Um. Uh, uh. Uh. Oh my God, the insult comic. What the fuck is uh Don Rickles? No, Don Rickles. That you know, he was he his whole purpose, and everyone knew he was the greatest guy. He had this caustic uh, warmth, and he was. Basically saying we're all the same. It came across that way. Oh, yeah. What are you? This. Oh, you do that. You do that. <laughs> Let's all laugh at ourselves. That would not fly now because they couldn't even understand the concept of getting about, uh, you know, away from those words. That this guy is saying we're all the fucking same.
1: So you use the word fag, and as the resident gay guy, I want to actually comment on this thing. Um, I'm generally not. Uh, generally not a sensitive person, but I'm really uncomfortable when I hear somebody else use that word. Right. And so isn't being, isn't offensiveness in the eye of the
0: offended? It's the eye of the intent of the person using the word. You know, I write in the book that you, you know, as as a white person, I could never say, in this sentence, N is the worst word. Don't ever say it. Don't, you know, I, I can't even utter that word and I get it. I get it. Um, and the word "fag." when I hear someone else say it, I want to fuck, even my kids, they cannot. But when I call my agent or if I say, Oh my God, that's so faggy. It's not, it's, I would never say it in front of anyone else, but like, family. You know what I mean? Who understands. Right. Right. But we've lost that, uh, I guess skill to see beyond to say, okay, what is the, the intent of this person? What's the context, you know, nuance. Um, I mean, if you heard me say, say it to you, you probably, would you be insulted? I mean like, but I wouldn't say it, but you know what I mean? It's, yeah. Yeah. If I see, if I see some kids saying it down, the, well, I'm like, no, that's not okay. You don't know what that word means. You don't know the history of that word. Right. Right. Well, I mean, the Kevin
1: Hart story that you, that you uh, use in the book, the one about where he had to step down as Oscar host because uh, he did an act where he talked about uh, being afraid as son would turn out gay. And then there were homophobic tweets uh, dredged up. I mean, what do you, what do you do with that? I mean, there were, should he have stepped down should he have been removed should people have been offended i mean how do you how do you deal with something like that
0: to me uh, and i know kevin and i'm sure you guys do too but um, sure. to me we, you know as as an i i have been an uh, an activist for you know <laughs> rights forever um, just waiting for another letter all we do all we strive to do is we want dignity and we want equality and we want people to evolve. Like when you see, uh, um, when you hear, when you see a homophobic person or hear a fomo- homophobic person and they say, you know what? Like Dick fucking Cheney, which, you know, and oh, you know what? I realize blank and I'm, I, am i am so sorry. I'm sorry. And I, that was wrong and I get it now. We, that's what we want people to do. We want people to do that. And then, so w- after they do that, do, the, do we then have to drudge up the old shit? Like, when, when is it going to be enough? Right. Yeah, you could. Uh,
1: but isn't that the problem with social media? Social that, media becomes part of your permanent record. Yeah,
0: it's ridiculous. It's like you can't move on from things. It's like being in a relationship you know, with, you know, my ex who remembers every fucking thing I did. Like, oh, well, it's three years ago you said that. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, my God, haven't we moved on from that? He apologized. He.
1: Ha- you know what I do every year? Yeah. I, I, I delete every tweet I sent out in the previous year. You do? Gone. I do. I get rid of all of them. Wow. I don't, I mean, I, not that there's anything out there that would be, but I just don't want anything to be misconstrued. And I don't know what the world is going to be like in five years compared to what it is now. So I don't take any chances. End of every year, bang, delete all of them.
2: Yeah, that's that's, that's great. Pretty amazing. I mean, like I, I don't want to be judged on something that I said in college or high school. Right. I mean, it's just right. it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's just not giving
0: anybody a chance to evolve. It's also like saying, you know, you know what, you know, even people who were drug addicts or alcoholics and then they go through the program and they're a different person, you know, bringing up their old shit all the time. You know, when does it stop? When do you acknowledge that the person is not that person, which is what you want in the first place? You know what I mean? Right. It's what we strive for. Right. And then you're going to fuck it
1: up. I want to go to something else in the book, Judy, Uh, the Colbert story, which you talk about uh, in which uh, he says, uh, the only thing your mouth is good for, says this of the president, is for being uh, Vladimir Putin's cock holster. Now, I find that to be offensive. I'm offended by that. Now, aren't I allowed to be offended by that?
0: Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. 100%.
1: And, and so what was the uh, – if, if I heard that in a comedy club, though, it would be different than if I heard it at 11.30 on TV. In a comedy club, I'd say, uh, oh, yeah, that's funny. Right. I, I, think the, I think the rules get thrown out when you go to a comedy Absolutely. club. Absolutely. I think they should. Yeah, I'm, I'm out here for a show, and as you say in the book, it's an act. Right. Um, all that stuff. But when I'm watching Colbert at 11.30 at night, I'm
2: offended by that.
0: I – I get that. Yeah, I mean, I can, I, I can get that. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I also get um, that. You know, he, he's not homophobe and he didn't. I, I get it, and I get that whole yeah, imagery yeah. is so homophobic. It really is. Um, yes, yes. And it demeans. It demeans. You know, gay man Men. So I get that. I get that. But he said that, and yet Trump gets away with the most abhorrent speech, lying, belittling people, Pocahontas, you know, here's a guy at 1130 at night, had a bad joke, it was bad taste. This guy at five in the afternoon saying shit, calling people liars. Ugly called calling Rosie fat, a uh, fat pig during a, uh, a debate. You know, it it's sorry. It's got to play. It, it's got to be, you know, for everyone, the speech has to be, I'm just saying he got, he had to apologize and he had to, to deal with this, but these motherfuckers who really do have an effect on people's lives they make laws they they take rights away from people get away with saying so so much worse it's,
2: it's infuriating Judy has there ever been a joke that you wanted to do and didn't do because you thought it was too offensive for you
0: I have had <laughs> I have had jokes that you know what it is it's such a good question because I do have jokes that are so offensive, and for some people, even though you you and Steve, you guys know that I'm not, you know. But when I think the audience is laughing for the wrong reason, I won't do jokes like that. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? How do you mean? So if I'm doing – uh, you know, I used to do a joke about, uh, see now I'm like paranoid and it's all going to come back to me, but I used to do a joke about how I did a, uh, benefit for the national organization of women. And I, you know, I just wanted to get on stage and say, you know, the other day I was scrubbing the toilet while my husband was fucking me up the ass. And he said to me, uh, where the fuck is my dry cleaning and smacked me. And, and, you know, I was doing this whole stupid, ridiculous over the top, um, And I wouldn't, if that was an audience of, like, asshole white men, like, I wouldn't do, like, when I, you get cues while you're on stage, like, oh, they like that joke, or, you know, I do, I do talk about being Jewish, and I do talk about the Holocaust, if I think they're anti-Semitic, you know, I'll call them out on that, and I won't, they don't deserve, they don't deserve a nuanced joke about, you know, something that they have a prejudice about. I just don't, I'm not, you know, like Clay does this, like when he's doing his misogynistic crap and he realizes that the audience is laughing, he, he calls them out on it. I'm not gonna perpetuate, I'm not gonna be misunderstood. I'm not gonna put myself in a position where they're gonna misconstrue what I'm trying to say I'm not going to give them fodder for, you know, racism or homophobia or anti-Semitism or xenophobia or sexism. Or, yeah. I,
2: I think sometimes, too, the audience may not get the the root of what the joke is. Like, I did this joke once about how parents, new parents, overly boast about their kids' abilities. So they would say something right. like, look how fast he's running. He's going to be in the Olympics and i said well he's drooling too maybe special olympics <laughs> and i i i did a show and i got like like letters like hate mail about it and I, and and in my defense it was it was really a, it was really making fun of the parents not not that someone's right. going to have a child that's you know unfortunately you know disabled you know right but people don't get it People don't get it.
0: Right. Right. So when I do a joke about, you know, be if I was Anne Frank and my mother was there and we're stuck and we can't talk all day and my mother's screaming at me that I didn't do the dishes when she asked me to. And so we all get caught and die. That joke is about my mother. Right. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's what people don't do. They don't take. They don't take the time to take themselves, their triggers, their, you know, out of it. They don't take the time to see what, what is this person trying to say? Um,
1: Right, right.
0: And that the joke isn't about them. It's this idea that everything is about them.
1: But isn't the whole isn't the whole thing, Judy, like exponentially bigger because of social media? Because all of a sudden, you tell the Margaret Cho story in in the book. It's like Margaret Cho does a bad joke. because somebody records it? Somebody sends it out on social media. All of a sudden, so uh, Margaret has to re- apologize to the world. It seems like social media has been bad for comedy. Well,
0: uh, you know, some people think it's great. Um, I don't, I think. And on so many levels, number one, you know, someone there's that whole basic thing where like someone will do a funny video on Instagram or TikTok or whatever, and then uh, get all these followers and then a comedy booker will then have them headline at the club. They're not ready to headline but they're going to fill the room for that weekend. So they are so short-sighted. They're like, I'm going to make money this weekend, I don't fucking care. Meanwhile, some like seasoned excellent comic who, you know, is going to grace the stage and do a wonderful, amazing job and maybe there will be 10, 20 empty seats. You know, they don't get to work. These people, you know, so that's the number one. Number two is the fact that everyone has a fucking soapbox and a pulpit. I mean, you see it with restaurants, like some fucking miserable cunt or, you know, (laughs) will go to a restaurant with their dog and and they'll be sitting outside and someone will say, oh, can you move the dog over? And then they'll fucking go crazy and like, right. Oh, and they were so mean to my dog. Do not eat here. They hate animals. Like that's exactly and. Uh, one star. You know? <laughs> one one paw. <laughs> what? What? Worst like, meal that ever. That, that's not no. No, that's not fair. That's not right. You know, it's like whenever I see, if I whenever I go to like a TripAdvisor or Yelp and I see like everyone's like five stars and then there's one person, right? And then you go and click on that person and see their reviews for every it's like miserable. It's like Bissina fucking you know
1: cat. worst of the worst. Cat. Everything's worst of the worst.
2: Yeah. I, I wanna talk about something that you brought up in the book about um censorship. Um yes. and when it comes to doing certain gigs, um like a comedian sends in a tape for a corporate gig the person in charge of booking sees what type of comedian they are. And then when they go and do the gig, they are that person. And then they, they like, they get like the, you know, the agent gets a call like, Oh, I can't believe they use this language. And it's like, you saw the tape that, you know, it's like Bobby Slayton, you know, you know, getting booked for a gig because he's Bobby Slayton. And then he goes there, and he's extremely offensive. And then they get pissed off at him. And it's like, well, right. Well, you saw that you saw what he did, you know? You hired Bobby Slate. So what? What is um, so ridiculous to me? I mean, I, I, you know, you hear of comedians like who is it? Like Otto and George. I'm sure you know this story, Steve. I don't know if you know who this guy is. He was a ventriloquist mm. whose dummy was like really dirty, you know? You know, <laughs> he was he, like. like <laughs> It was so funny. I'm
0: already laughing. So many people I wish I had put in the book, but go ahead.
2: And he he used to do this bit where, uh, you know, uh, he would look at someone in the audience and uh, he would, you know, target a woman and say, so you're into wood, you know, <laughs> like just so, so funny. So he does a gig on a cruise ship where... Uh, you know, more often than not, when you do a cruise ship, you have to be squeaky clean, but they book him knowing what he does. Right. And they ended up firing him after like the first night. It's like, what is going on here?
0: Right. It's like you get, you hire Gilbert Gottfried. And then you get mad at him for being Gilbert Gottfried. Like here's the deal. <laughs> right, right. You know, I do a whole thing about corporations in there. You know, if you're hired and you're willing because it's, you know, a hundred grand, you're willing to adjust your material for that, for this money, it is a money gig, you know, fine. But if you hire me and you, uh, I, and just that's it, and you don't, you, Don't get mad at me for being me. Do your fucking due diligence.
2: Yeah.
1: And also, what do you do now? What do you do now with cancel culture? Because like, for example, we got a couple of incidents uh, recently with, with people wearing blackface, whether it's uh, Jimmy Kimmel or it's Sarah Silverman. What is there a statute of limitations? How does that work in your mind?
0: You know, I do. I do think there's a statute of limitations. I also think that, you know, we have to realize that society is changing and evolving. And some of the things we did are, you know, we didn't realize were offensive. Okay. Um, I don't know how you don't realize that doing blackface is offensive, but you know, like Tina Fey apologized. Um, yeah. And, you know, this idea of erasing everyone's work. And, and so you're not only, canceling them you're acting like they they never existed their work should now be everything that they've accomplished in their life should now be erased like I use I also use Coco Chanel as an example you know she Mm -hmm. was a fucking Nazi embedded with the fucking like friends of Hitler and all that you know and yet you go to synagogue on Rosh Hashanah and, you know, 80% of the women are wearing, you know, Chanel scarves, you know? So why is it with comics, they do a joke that at the time was acceptable and 15 years later when that material is unacceptable, it's been, not only are they canceled, but then all their work is uh, uh, you know is erased is, is canceled
1: erased. With, is canceled with them yeah yeah
0: w- would you drive a German car um now I I no I have never driven a German I mean now I think I would because you know Berlin they're like they're better than we are with the Holocaust you can't <laughs> deny the Holocaust there but right I grew up in a house no no German car no Fords because he was an anti it was like constant you know
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah um well listen uh judy we appreciate you doing th- the book is fantastic I love uh, yes, I can-
0: thank you so much for reading because you know that half these interviews no one reads the fucking book but i i really uh, i just wanted to do something that shows that we are not the fucking enemy
2: what did i tell you when you asked me if i like the book do you remember what i said in my text
0: you said required
2: reading it should be required reading for everyone
1: I agree. I agree. For everybody, not just not for comic, for everybody in the world. Um, Yeah, the book is called Yes, I Can Say That. When they come for the comedians, we are all in trouble. Judy, thank you again for doing this. We really appreciate your time a lot. And congratulations on the book.
0: Thank you. You know what? I love you guys. And I wish you all the best and come back to New York and do your show. And I could be like the sidekick in the corner.
1: We would love that. We would love that. Thanks, Judy. Thanks,
0: Judy. Love you. All right. Love you guys. Thanks for having me.
1: There you have it, Judy Gold. Not for the little kids, that conversation. (laughs) No,
2: No. Don't let the little
1: kids listen to it.
2: She speaks her mind.
1: Yes, she does. Yes, she does. She's not changed a bit. Not at all. And the book is really, really good. Uh, And it raises, and I don't necessarily agree with every point in the book, as I made clear during the conversation, but... Um, it all is good discussion stuff. Yes, I can say that is the name of the book, and it is really, really, especially now when we're all trying to figure out where the line is, right? That's the biggest question we've got now culturally is where is the line? I've been going through this on uh, um Mason in Ireland because there are a number of nicknames and sports that are being deemed as offensive. Uh, the Redskins uh, from Washington, definitely offensive. Uh, the Indians are changing their team name, but then there are also the Blackhawks, the Chiefs, the Braves. Um, there's and, – and the question is, where is that line? And I don't necessarily understand it. And I don't know it's necessarily my place to draw it. Like, shouldn't Native Americans draw that line – as opposed to me, white sportscaster in LA?
2: Sure. I mean, I think that's really what it comes down to. You know, they they were saying that they wanted a change not only in sports, but Black Friday. They want to get rid of the term Black Friday. They
1: want to get rid of the term Black
2: Friday? Why? Because of the fact that it's saying it's Black Friday. But
1: even though, no, say I disagree with that. Even though it has nothing to do with, uh, at the, with African-Americans. the the or, You know the origin of the term, right? Where it comes from? Black Friday? Yeah. I don't. It's when most stores hit the black in their profits. In other words, once you get through Black Friday, stores are in the black as opposed to in the red. They're actually profitable for that year. It has nothing to do with African-Americans. That one I don't agree with changing.
2: Right. So, you know, to some people it's offensive. So like you're saying, where do you draw the line? Because there are some people that aren't going to be offended by it who are black, you know? Yeah. Right. Right. So who, you know, who's the boss of it? Yeah. I I don't know.
1: Yeah. We got to take these on like literally one at a time. Each one stands by itself and gets judged by uh, the, the party or the disenfranchised minority who happens to be, uh, at the receiving end of, uh, of the, the joke or the term. Uh, but it's gotta be, it's gotta happen one at a time.
2: Right. And it's like what Judy said, you know, Black Friday
1: is just stupid. I mean, I, I don't, I don't get that.
2: You know, like Judy was saying, like, you know, you know, who do, who does, who is anybody to say what is offensive to me? Right. You know, it's like, you know, some people may not have a problem with, you know, some Jewish people may not have a problem with someone saying uh to them, Oh, I got Jewed down, you know?
1: Oh, come on. That's just outright offensive, period.
2: It it is. But some Jewish people may just say, oh, you know, it's no big deal.
1: My dad or- used to use Jew as a verb, man. He moved yeah. to the he moved out to the desert. And I'm like, Dad, that that is not cool. You cannot say that anymore. Right. Uh Jew is not a verb. Right. But, uh, but yeah, anyway, really good conversation. Um, and, again, the book is called Yes, I Can Say That. Judy Gold uh, is the guest. Um, so, uh, Sue, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much to our uh, sponsor, uh, the Law Offices of Jacob Imrani, eight four four twenty four jacob And don't forget to subscribe to the Culture Pop podcast. You can go to stevemason.com. Easy way to subscribe either on Spotify or on iTunes. We would really appreciate it if you would do that. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next week for an all new episode of Culture Pop.